not-too-distant future, these will be known as primitive times. Hey, Integrity. This is uh, Joe Nay from TNJ Rock and a Metal Talk Show. Hey, man, I was wondering if you think, like, memories are one way that your brain can time travel. I just wanted to kind of get your thoughts on that and just let you know I like your show and keep up the good work, dude. Thanks, man. Take it easy. Honey. Yes. You cannot dispute facts with opinions. Correct. Just wanted to check with you. <laughs> he goddamn mad doggy. He goddamn mad doggy.
Hey Z, remember when you called in a few days saying that you hoped that you hadn't compromised our friendship? Well, I feel you've gone and done it now, because uh, you crossed the line. Yep, I heard the call-in in which you said you enjoyed the great everything, but what do you know? You also enjoy punk rock. Punk rock. You compared me to punk rock. That's crossing the line. That is just, that's, no. I mean, you could have said prog rock. I would have been, okay, I would have been fine with that. You could have said pop music. I would have been like, but punk rock? What, like Green Day? I hope, I hope you didn't mean Green Day. You might be able to climb out of this if you meant like the Ramones and, you know, maybe Sex Pistols, The Clash, maybe. But if you meant Green Day, I'm afraid that that's just a, a step too far uh, or a step way too far. This is, uh, this is untenable, Z. That's the right word, untenable. Telling you, the monster of game. I'm telling you, 
Pass me the rock, now I'm headed to the basket. Get up on my way, get what you better do. My tactics is unsportsmanlike conduct, you better ask it. Don't get no better than this. You catch my drip, you get stripped by ball handling, rule by swag hammer. Danger, you dealing with official hoop bangers. With hang time, like a coat hanger. Jump with thunderous, 360 degree tight dunk. What up, Dr. Monster Funk? Uh, lightning strikes, the court lights get dim. Supreme competition is about to begin above the rim. Finessing it moves is animated. Uh, Once I get the ball in, I can't be deflated. Yeah. A rugged part of my monsters is getting money. When clicks get the bugging, I'm snatching up their bunnies. Uh, every step I take shakes the ground. I make you break your ankle, son, shake you down. This is my planet. I'm about business. The best that ever done it. Can I get a witness? Uh, a cumulus cloud bring darkness up above. You in it for the money or in it for the love, MJ? 23 ways to make a pay. Lounging in the mothership back around my way. Uh, a 28 light years old. If the reps get political, dribble like Bob Dole. Am I getting lyrical? Daddy, I think so. Monster drop a flavor fluid, so drink slowly. Daisy, forgive me if I sound curt, but I only have one minute. So where to begin? I genuinely don't think you've made a single argument here, and I don't think it's fair to premise that my ability to make a convincing argument should somehow be held against me. If anything, it should be in my favour. Second, you bring up sources from 400 years later, which I haven't even mentioned in my argument, and even if these guys are lying, and I'm with you, they might be, how does this disprove all the other earlier and more reliable sources I've mentioned, like Tacitus, who I must add was relying on Roman court documents documents from the archives saying this Christ guy was executed under Pilate and then a cult was built around him. How is this not evidence? Your evidence for saying that he doesn't exist is the Jesus Smith conspiracy, which I've read a lot on and I even mentioned in my station. And all of it has not only been disproven by the vast majority of serious scholars, and I mean the vast majority, but is also considered not just second rate, but Alex Jones levels of scholarship. Like seriously, come on, man. So, Integrity Radio, I wanted to call in and say that you and Patrick arguing whether Jesus was a real person or not, for some reason it just reminded me of the book 1984 where the main character that worked to rewrite history made up a war um, like hero and made this whole backstory and made so much detail to him that nobody would really know if he existed or not. All right, take care. من وجنتك شاع نور يبا واشرق علي والله ما عذبني وما عند مروه فوق النخل فوق يبا فوق النخل فوق مدري there goes that pit bull in me again. I can't let go of this on Jesus being a real person or not. You have to take into account if you're going to include history and science, you got to take into account the Library of Alexandria. 
Quote, the famous burning of the Library of Alexandria, including the incalculable loss of ancient works, has become a symbol of the irretrievable, irretrievable loss of public knowledge. Although there is a mythology of the burning of the Library of Alexandria, the library may have suffered several fires or acts of destruction of varying degrees over many years. Ancient and modern sources identify several possible occasions for the partial or complete destruction of the Library of Alexandria. Now, during Caesar's Civil War, Julius Caesar was besieged at Alexandria in 48 BC. Many ancient sources describe Caesar setting fire to his own ships and state that this fire spread to the library destroying it. I think if you were to assert anything, Patrick, you would have to assert that Julius Caesar was the greatest and perhaps the first propagandist. So other than the faulty Gospels and other than the faulty bit of logic that uh, Julius Caesar or Pontius Pilate documented the existence of Christ in any way, and perhaps some Templeton group historical biblical scholars, where are you getting your information from? The Vatican? So, Patrick, if you're listening, <clears throat> I'd like to hear your responses on this. And I'd also like to ask you a question, because I've been considering this. I've been considering become, becoming a secular Catholic. Is that even possible? I mean, Jews can be secular, right? So why can't Catholics? And maybe somebody someday can explain to me how Jews maintain uh, their Jewishness when they're not religious. I mean, how do you be a religion and an ethnic group? I don't understand that. I, just, I truly don't understand it. Maybe somebody can explain. Because if it's valid, then I think I'll become a secular Catholic. Yeah, I miss uh, the wafers and the, the shot. And there's nothing more metal than like, you know, a church, a cemetery, and crosses. Oh no, don't misconstrue my questions regarding the existence of Jesus as non-appreciation. Oh no. And remember, an atheist is what my oppressors call me. I don't identify as atheist. More to the point, I would be a skeptic. Which means I pay attention to the details. The time that Christ was supposed to have lived was a time of great war and destruction, murder. After the burning of Alexandria came great periods of monkey intribing, or ingrouping rather. If you read your history right, you'll see that the ancient Middle East was some bad times during the so-called Christian era. Before the birth of Christ, Julius Caesar had already set a precedence of destroying information, a trend that I'm sure his successors made use of. And really, would you trust the record-keeping under the controls of Caligula or Tiberius? Really? The burning of Alexandria set us back a thousand years before Christ was even born. Okay, back to the music. Integrity Radio.
Integrity Radio. This is Chad Sifu. Since I, I did talk about a little bit about 1984, I just want to talk a little bit more about 1984 and the the thought crime and uh, violating the Brotherhood's opposing views, opposing their views, the Ministry of Love's views, and if those views are opposed through thought crime, then you are sent to room 101, in which case they brainwash you through fear, indoctrinate you through fear, your greatest fear. So what if you made someone's fear everybody's fear? Man chat out. Hazy, it's not that I'm failing to apply critical thinking, it's that I think you're profoundly misunderstanding my position. See, I'm not saying that Jesus definitely existed, and I'm also not saying that I have proof that he existed. I'm saying that there are sources that say he did, and that some of these sources, in particular Tacitus, I've always found to be reliable when it comes to Roman court archives. I'm a classicist, I used to deal with these things. So the point is, I don't know whether he existed or not, but there are reliable sources, like Tacitus, that say that he it. So, you know, on a balance of probability, I'm happy to go with it until better evidence comes along. You're the one who's saying that he definitely didn't exist. Do you see the difference there? And because you're being definite, I think you have the burden to show to me why I shouldn't believe all the evidence, including stuff like Tacitus, which is credible. And I don't see any reason to believe why Tacitus would have made it up. He may have, but you have to show me why I should believe that. It's almost like you want him not to have existed.
close on the implied question that Bill asked me earlier. Why don't you accept this wonderful offer? <clears throat> Why wouldn't you like to meet Shakespeare, for example? I mean, I don't know if you really think that when you die you can be corporeally reassembled and have conversations with authors from previous epochs. It's not necessary that you believe that in Christian theology, and I have to say it sounds like a complete fairy tale to me. The only reason I want to meet Shakespeare, or might even want to, is because I can meet him any time, because he is immortal in the works he's left behind. If you've read those, meeting the author would almost certainly be a disappointment. But when Socrates was sentenced to death for his philosophical investigations and for blasphemy, for challenging the gods of the city, and he accepted his death, he did say, well, if we are lucky, perhaps I'll be able to hold conversation with other great thinkers and philosophers and doubters too. In other words, that the discussion about what is good, what is beautiful, what is noble, what is pure and what is true could always go on. Why is that important? Why would I like to do that? Because that's the only conversation worth having. And whether it goes on or not after I die, I don't know. But I do know that it's the conversation I want to have while I'm still alive. Which means that to me, the offer of certainty, the offer of complete security, the offer of an impermeable faith that can't give way, is an offer of something not worth having. I want to live my life taking the risk all the time that I don't know anything like enough yet, that I haven't understood enough, that I can't know enough, that I'm always hungrily operating on the, on the margins of, of a potentially great harvest of future knowledge and wisdom. I wouldn't have it any other way. And I'd urge you to look at those of you who tell you, those people who tell you at your age, that you're dead till you believe as they do. What a terrible thing to be telling to children. And that you can only live. And that you can only live by accepting an absolute authority. Don't think of that as a gift. Think of it as a, think of it as a poison chalice. Push it aside however tempting it is. Take the risk of thinking for yourself much more happiness, truth, beauty and wisdom will come to you that way. Thank you. I should like to change into a sunflower, most of all. That's so tall and simple. What flower would you like to be? I don't know. One of these, maybe? Why do you say that? Because they're all alike. Oh, but they're not. Look, see, some are smaller, some are fatter, some grow to the left, some to the right, some even have lost some petals, all kinds of observable differences. You see, Harold, I feel that much of the world's sorrow comes from people who are this, yet allow themselves to be treated as that. I think it's fine Building jumbo planes Or taking a ride On a cosmic train Switch on summer From a slot machine Just get what you want to if you want As you can get anything I'm going to share with you now one of the most important discoveries, maybe the most important discovery of modern psychology. You see the iceberg on the left. Let's imagine that it represents the complete set of cognitive processes that are causally responsible for what we think, how we reason, how we form beliefs, and how we make decisions. Out of all this complex cognitive activity emerges our beliefs, judgments, decisions, and behavior. Notice that most of the iceberg is submerged below the waterline. In this picture, the waterline represents the distinction between conscious and unconscious cognitive processes. So what this image represents is that most of the cognitive processes that are causally responsible for what we think and how we behave are operating unconsciously. We don't have conscious access to them. We can't consciously observe them. They're operating below the surface, behind the scenes. 
In a way, this isn't news, in the sense that we've known about the importance of the unconscious since Freud. But what we're talking about here isn't connected to Freud's theory in any way. It's really a product of the modern cognitive revolution in psychology, which views brain functioning as a type of information processing activity. But it does have this very counterintuitive conclusion that, to a large extent, we're strangers to our own minds. Now, cognitive biases, like any other complex cognitive process, operate unconsciously as well. I'm not saying that all of our thinking is unconscious. That's clearly not true. What I'm saying is that the kinds of processes that result in biased judgments, like the ones we saw with the gambler's fallacy, typically have roots in cognitive processes that we have no conscious access to or control over. We might be able to consciously override a quick intuitive judgment when we're prepared for it. This is one way that training in cognitive biases can be helpful. But we have very little control over these quick intuitive judgments. These intuitions just happen to us. They bubble up from below the waterline, so to speak. So a consequence of this view is that we can't detect bias simply by inspecting or introspecting our conscious beliefs and reasoning. This is important to understand if we want to get into the right headspace to talk about debiasing strategies, which we'll be getting to later in this course. One of the biases that we're all prone to is a bias against viewing our own judgments as biased. I'm serious. This is a well-studied cognitive bias. It's known as bias bias or bias blind spot. One of the reasons for this bias is that we have a strong intuition that we know our own minds, that we're experts on the causes of our own beliefs and decisions. So if we can't detect the presence of bias in our own thinking, we conclude that it's not there. But this is a delusion. The truth is that for the most part, we don't know our own minds. And we need to accept this if we're going to be truly open to the debiasing strategies that will. The truth is inside of us. And it's wonderful when we have the courage to tell it. What if I were very, very sad and all I did was smile? I wonder after a while what might become of my sadness. What if I were very, very angry and all I did was sit and never think about it? What might become of my anger? Where would they go and what would they do if I couldn't let them out? Maybe I'd fall, maybe get sick or doubt. But what if I could know the truth and say just how I feel? I think I'd learn a lot that's real about freedom. I'm learning to sing a sad song when I'm sad. I'm learning to say I'm angry when I'm very mad. I'm learning to shout, I'm getting it out, I'm happy, learning exactly how I feel inside of me. I'm learning to know the truth, I'm learning to tell the truth, discovering truth will make me free. Are you discovering the truth about you? Well, I'm still discovering the truth about me. That's what we do as we keep on growing in life. We are the Genuine Imitation Old News Show recorded live, sight unseen with all the seriously funny standard deviations from the loyal opposition inside out. Integrity Radio. time I tell myself that I'm so lucky to be loving you so lucky to be 
the one you run to see in the evening when the day is through. I only know what I know. The passing years will show. You've kept my love so young, so new. And time after time, you'll hear me say that I'm so lucky to be loving you. I think it's important not to homogenize the message of originality, of unique perspective. The devil's in the detail. We really have to find, really dig deep to find those little differences, that 1%. I mean, listen, at the end of the day, we all pretty much are the same. As a friend of mine, Mitch Hale, once said, the difference between us, well, let's say the difference between a believer and a non-believer is about one hour a week. And I would argue that you could say that about the common man. That the difference between one common man to the next is probably about one hour a week. So, you know, we're not all that different, you and I. But that's not what I'm trying to do. I'm not trying to rally all of our commonalities. What I'm trying to do is to discover and to find, to uncover even within myself, just that 1% of originality, of original thought, of communicated perspective. And you might notice that I'm doing it with a much nicer sounding microphone. Perhaps, I don't know. Um, I'm trying an, an iPhone mic app. Never actually tried these before, so I'm trying it. I think this one's called the Swap. No, mic swap, M-I-C with a infinite eight and then WAP. So I think that's mic swap. <laughs> um, yeah, well, you tell me how it sounds. I'll uh, post this. This will then get posted, um, sent from my phone by way of email to my computer and then from the computer onto Anchor. So it's the harder way of doing things, but it is an experiment of sorts. Now, as I'm using this app, there is a, uh, a time meter, and there's also a, a um, VU meter, which uh, allows me to see if I'm peaking the volume levels or not. 
I'll do that right now. Hey, hey, hey! Yeah, that was just touching zero a little bit. Okay, now I have, according to the mic swap app, two minutes and 57, 58, 59. Oh, I'm, I've talked for three minutes. There we go. It's, it's not a countdown, it's letting you know how much you've been blabbing. All right. So the mic swap app was free and of course they have a paid version and you can get more different styles of microphones. Um, what's nice is that you can record and then um, export that recording uh, in various ways. I'm also able to pause and play or pause and record uh, while I'm recording. I'm able to pause while I'm recording. This app also has a booster, so if you actually needed to boost your signal, uh, you can do that as well. In fact, it has a manual gain, and then it has a uh, probably a mic attenuator, I believe that's what they call them, um, to really give it a, uh, a boost. So I guess this is just the old uh, topic of should we give little Billy a trophy for trying or should uh, we make little Billy work hard in order to get the trophy <laughs> I'm all over the place here is anybody even following me on this if you're not that's okay this is mostly a mic test Let's see if uh, this new app mic swap is working super swell or not all right I think that's enough of this testing. Terry Radio.